2: Hey, Broadway fans. Welcome back to another episode of What's Up Broadway. I'm back today with my co-host Christian Lewis. What's up, Christian? How was your weekend?
0: Uh, It was good. Uh, I had to travel for a thing, but I'm back. And I wasn't like seeing tons of Broadway. I still have this nice little hiatus from my hectic early October but instead my boyfriend Danny and I downloaded Broadway HD and we each picked a show. And he loves that uh, Laura Benanti, Zachary Levi, Jane Korowski. she loves me. And I really love the Kelly O'Hara King and I. So we both like watched each other's kind of like favorite recent old revivals. And it was so nice to just like share that with each other in such beautiful pro shots. So that was the theater that I had this weekend.
2: I love that you really love the King and I revival. You speak about that so much. That's so exciting.
0: I do. (laughs) How about you? You also also love Rodgers and Hammerstein. (laughs) I do. Die Hard, problematic fave for sure. What did you get up to this weekend? Oh,
2: I did so much this weekend, Um, and by so much I mean a lot of shows. I saw American Utopia. Carolina Change and Mrs. Warren's Profession. Three shows (laughs) in one like jam-packed weekend. And at American Utopia, like I sat next to the vice president of the Emmys, which was so crazy. Like I'm, I'm just like, you need to speak to your seat neighbors. We're going to get into that a little later, but like your seat neighbor, you never know. I know. I never do that.
0: I'm not like social enough with strangers, but now I feel like I should be.
2: Yeah. I mean, especially if they're so close to you, just say, Hey, I mean, and you know what they, um, he and the, the woman he was with struck up the conversation. I, you know, it was just like I was I started to sit down, take off my coat. They were like, Is this your first show back? And I was like, No, actually oh no. this is like my hundredth show back. Um That's and they were funny. like, Really? What do you do? Um and so that was their conversation. But yeah, start small. Just say like, I don't know, you just say I guess.
0: I guess thinking about it, I don't do it that much because as a critic, I'm usually on the aisle and I have a plus one. So then it's like Mm. me, my plus one, and then the strangers. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I I should give it a try.
2: Yeah, theater's all about community. That's what we're here for. Just talk it up. Also, I want to talk about one of Broadway Podcast Network's newest podcasts, This Is Reality. Is This a Room? Producer Sally Harcho and Dory Bernstein have released the newest podcast to pair with Is This A Room on Broadway. This Is Reality follows the true story of reality winner told by those closest to her and her case. The podcast launched last week with episode one. I know you gave it a listen. How are you liking it so far?
0: Oh my gosh, Ayana, I love it so much. I'm not generally like a true crime TV or podcast person, but I'm so into this reality winner case after seeing the show. Also, as a dramaturg, I think this podcast is such a really cool companion piece to the show. Like the mm-hmm. show gives us just that FBI transcript. But this podcast is like a living dramaturgy packet here. And it's giving us interviews. It's going more into the details. I'm really excited for the episodes coming up even more about her trial and her time while she was incarcerated and she had COVID. And I'm, so I'm very Excited for this and can't wait for the other episodes.
2: Yeah, I thought this was a brilliant idea to pair it with this show, especially there are so many people who don't know about Reality Winner. And I think this podcast really like opens that door because I feel like when you're in this is a room, you're like automatically given this uh, story about reality and you don't know too much about the background. And this podcast is just so well produced. Very smart idea. I love it so much. Episode one had me on the edge of my seat and I know this story. Same,
0: I know. (laughs) But what I think is interesting is that when I saw the show, I like didn't read my program thoroughly enough and neither did my plus one. And we talked about afterwards, we were like, oh, it's so cool that they don't even reference what her exact crime is. Like we don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Like did she leak something about... Afghanistan or Iraq or was it something about Trump and like you don't even know but like Mm -hmm. it is in the program so we should have known and if you like know her story you know but I there are definitely audience members who don't know the details of what she did and because of that you don't necessarily know how to feel about her or her politics or what the ethics of the situation actually are. So I think it's a great idea to do this podcast and to shed light on all of the silences Mm -hmm. and all of the redacted texts that you don't get Mm -hmm. in the play and in the transcript to give us that fuller picture here.
2: Such a good podcast. I could easily see this podcast being turned into like some sort of docu-series or something um, because it's that well produced. The only thing I'm missing is like a visual to it. It's so good. Christian, during Is This a Room, um, I know you saw it a couple of weeks ago, there were a few like blackout parts. Did you understand that portion of the play?
0: Yeah, I totally got that. That was supposed to be the redacted text. The first couple times they do it, it's like a light pulse that's like a Mm -hmm. a pinkish-reddish thing. And that was like, oh, maybe something is a little is being taken out here. I don't know how much, but then towards the last part of the play where there's like full-on blackouts and they all change where they're standing. I was like, oh, we are really like blacking out the text here. But yeah, I got that we were not getting all of the text and that they were using lighting design in a really creative way to show us that. And it reminded me of the like beeps in Dana H, where they use a lot of beeps that sound like they're from the tape recording, which is kind of like Lucas Nath letting us know that like edited text is happening here. So I thought both shows use sound and light in a really creative way to show us that text was being edited or redacted.
2: On that note, let's get into some Broadway breaking news. Very excited about this, Lackawanna Blues extends again. The Broadway premiere production starring Ruben Santiago Hudson has extended for the final time. The Manhattan Theater Club staging will now play through November 12th. The solo show was forced to cancel several performances and twice delay opening night due to a back injury sustained by Santiago Hudson, who wrote, directed and stars in the production um i know you saw this i cannot wait like i read all the reviews but my tickets have been canceled twice so i'm Oof. really i'm really excited to finally get a
0: chance to see this show yeah i'm glad you're getting to see it and i'm glad he's getting more time to do this show because he was injured and i'm glad he like took the time to get better and it's now still getting to do a lot of performances
2: Yeah. And fun fact, this is the first show that ever released reviews before the show. Even actually had an opening night, so fun history facts for everyone. That'll,
0: that'll be a trivia question someday.
2: <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Broadway League also announced that the Jimmy Awards will return in person to the Minskoff Theater in 2022. The Jimmy's recognize the best in high school musical theater at performers nationwide, and will be back on June 27th, 2022 at 7:30 p.m. Looking forward to following the stars of tomorrow. Tony Emmy and Grammy nominee Vanessa Williams will headline a concert presentation of Stephen Sondheim and Arthur Lawrence, Anyone Can Whistle. The performance set for March 10th, 2022 at Carnegie Hall is part of Master Voices' newly announced 2021-2022 season.
0: I hope I got to go to both of those. I've never been to the Jimmy Awards, but I've watched on YouTube every single little medley that they do, and I love them so much. And also... Vanessa Williams is a goddess and can't wait. I hope I get to Uh, see her at Carnegie Hall.
2: (laughs) Vanessa Williams is the, I've never, oh no, I'm lying. I, I've seen her at, in an Encore's presentation. I don't remember the show, but that was like the first and only time
0: I've saw her live. I've never seen her live. I need to see it. Also her at Carnegie Hall just feels fitting. So yes, let's go together. Other news, on November 3rd, the committee of theater owners will honor the late Tony Award-winning playwright and librettist Terence McNally by dimming the lights at Broadway theaters for one minute at 6.30. November 3rd would have been his 83rd birthday. I'm so happy they're doing this tribute. such an important part of American theater, and we all definitely miss him a lot, and I'm really glad that they're dimming the lights for him. Amazon Studios released the first trailer for its upcoming film being The Ricardos, A Look Inside, A Week, and a production of the iconic sitcom I Love Lucy. The film stars Nicole Kidman as Lucia Ball and Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz. I'm a huge I Love Lucy fan, but I know like Same. we've been uh, skeptical about this project on Twitter, Ayana. But I, I don't know. I was excited by the trailer. The trailer.
2: I'm really excited. I'm. I'm- I'm excited to see uh, Lucille Ball's story. Anyway, same. I feel like we've never gotten like a biopic or anything. Like there are so many docu series on her and her relationship, but I would love to see this. I'm, I mean, I'm gonna watch it either way, so I'm very oh, excited. And, and I mean, there are a lot of theater people in this, yeah. this film too. So
0: I love why not? Nicole Kidman. I love Javier Bardem. Like, sign me up. Yeah. I've, I've seen there's a there's a like obscure one woman play about the actress who played Ethel. And it was like a very weird play. But I was like, yeah, I also want the Lucille Ball story. So I'm very happy we're getting a whole oh, movie about all of this.
2: I'm going to yeah. Google that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Patricia Dayleg has been hired to serve as the director of equity, diversity and inclusion for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child and Funny Girl on Broadway. She officially begins on October 18th following 10 years of experience she has in government and community-based nonprofits. In this uh, newly created role that she'll be serving as, she's responsible for the development and execution of the vision of a more inclusive and diverse workspace. All shows are going to be having uh, someone in this kind of position, I think, coming up, and I'm so glad about that and glad these two shows got such a star to help them work on creating a workplace that's like very equitable and diverse and inclusive and accessible. So. Great love job for that.
2: that. Love that. I love the way theater is changing and evolving. I'm ready. And congratulations to Patricia.
1: Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere. That's right, Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Let's get into some show opening and casting announcements. Casting is officially complete for the San Francisco engagement of Jack Thorne's adaptation of A Christmas Carol. It recently won five Tony Awards. Very excited. Performances at Broadway, San Fran's Golden Gate Theater are scheduled for November 16th through December 26th. Joining the previously announced Obie Award winner, Francois Batiste, as Ebenezer Scrooge, will be the Tony nominee Nancy Opel as Ghost of Christmas Past and Amber Iman as Ghost of Christmas Present and Mrs. Fezziwig so excited for amber this is her year oh my goodness i know
0: i generally feel like we have more christmas carols in the world than we need i love this production so much it was beautiful it really deserved those design tony awards so i'm happy more people are going to get to see it
2: same and i just i mean last night was my last night writing um some marketing articles for this show, and I interviewed um, most of the Tony Award-winning designers, a musical composer um, and set designer, lovely people. And I mean, the thought process behind this show, they wanted it to be so stripped down, but it was like, it was still opulent, like the lights. Oh my God, it was so visually appealing, I mean, and it felt immersive. Did you feel like part of the show?
0: Yeah, at the beginning, they're throwing the audience member clementines and cookies, and then at the end, we all like had to carry the feast on stage. I, oh, I was living for it. It was great.
2: Living
0: and the handbells oof. and the singing. Oof! I was like, Christmas is here. <laughs> it also reminded me. I'm festive just me, talking about it.
2: <laughs> I mean, I I did watch um, a Hallmark Christmas movie this week, and I was like, too soon. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. It reminded me of, because this is now an annual event that Jack Thorne has put together, um, it reminded me of the musical adaptation that ran at Madison Square Garden in the 90s for years. Um, And it was literally one of the best Christmas carols I've ever seen. So I'm very happy that this is becoming like as traditional as the Rockettes. So like you see the Rockettes, you see Jack Thorne's A Christmas Carol and Christmas is here, right?
0: Do it in other exciting news tony winner and legend lilius white has joined the cast of the new group's world premiere production of black no more lilius is currently playing matron mama morton in chicago on broadway the new musical is inspired by george s Schuyler's 1931 afrofuturist novel of the same title set during the harlem renaissance the musical will be presented from january 11th to february 27th 2022. It's got to be at the Pershing Square Signature Center. And opening night is scheduled for February 8th. I was already really excited for this project. Now they added Lilius White. This cast is stacked. I cannot wait to see this, Ayana.
2: Lilius is booked and busy. I feel like ever since you asked her (laughs) the question about Funny Girl, she's been like
0: off the charts. We love that for her. We love love Lilius White thriving and having such a (laughs) vibrant career on and off Broadway right now. I just want to see her in everything. So I'm glad now I'll get to. Ariel Stichel has departed the company of The Visitor at The Public, uh, a new musical that's currently in previews. A statement from the Off-Broadway Company calls the development a mutual decision. A spokesperson for The Public confirmed that performances are currently expected to continue as scheduled and that Ahmad Makshud will continue the role of Tarek.
2: The Public and New York Theatre Workshop are really creating like these fantastic uh, seasons. And I mean, let me see everything. (laughs) I mean, I think we're already seeing everything,
0: but yes. We are, (laughs) but I'm excited to see everything. I'm especially, I'm always excited, yeah, for new musicals.
2: Mm -hmm. New musicals for sure. Keep them coming. Let's get into what's happening on theater socials. The big thing that took over theater socials this week is phantom's reopening street party and marketing strategy
0: Ayana, i have quite the story about this okay so, go ahead so i actually was like presenting at an academic conference in north carolina on thursday and friday and so i flew home on friday and while i'm in my taxi from jfk my twitter is blowing up with videos that i just like cannot believe of like andrew lloyd weber like on top of a bus DJing outside the (laughs) Majestic. And I'm like, this is not real. And I live only a block away. So I'm in my taxi and I tell the taxi driver like, oh, make sure you like go on Ace so so I can like see this thing. He's like, okay. And we (laughs) drive by and I was like, okay, you can just stop here. Like I need to get out. You don't need to bring me to my apartment. So I like hop out of the taxi, run over with my suitcase and just like (laughs) stand there in the middle of this throng of people with like, machines and DJ and I'm Every Woman was playing and I was like I have no clue what's happening but I'm very into this and was standing there with a suitcase it was quite an experience and then I saw some people that I knew and I like ran away because I didn't want people to see me with a suitcase and it was everyone's dressed up and I was very not and it had a a carry-on I was like not in my phantom mask and rose and tux that they gave everyone
2: I would have loved to be a part of that. Like just watching it on Twitter, literally everyone was posting it. I feel like people who weren't even there were posting it. It broke the internet. And I want to say it was one of like the greatest reopenings that I've seen thus far. And like the thought process that went into marketing, they had a countdown in Times Square with the chandelier um, and the music blasting. And it's just like, Um, I want to know what went into um, the discussions for the reopening of Phantom, who was in charge of it, because I really want to talk to them and pick their brain. Um, But it's just like greatest marketing strategy I've ever seen, ever. And then... Can Andrew Lloyd Webber release those remixes of Phantom? Because uh, I, I, right? I would jamming. I would
0: jam. It's no, subri- no secret that you and I are huge Phantom fans. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'm a little biased. But honestly, just watching the Times Square video of the countdown and the chandelier drop, that was more exciting than like New Year's Eve ball drop, which is always <laughs> really slow and anticlimactic. And this was like... Blaring phantom and a chandelier come flying down on like three different digital billboards. I, clutching my chest, perfect. it was amazing.
2: It was perfect. The smartest marketing campaign I've ever seen. Um, I think every uh, theater professor needs to pick up that campaign and teach it to their students. Or, yes. or marketing, period, because that was just fantastic.
0: And everyone at the show, they gave everyone a phantom like COVID mask, but then also like a phantom white plastic mask. And they gave it, oh, there was a rose on every seat. I was so into it. I was like part of the experience. And a, a tote? tote. I want tote? a
2: tote. <laughs> I want a tote.
0: Gosh. I
2: want a tote and a rose. Was the rose real? Do we yes, know? The roses were
0: real. And I saw a picture of someone who like went to the bar after the show and they had tons of extra roses. And she like made herself a bouquet and like did a <laughs> whole photo shoot outside the majestic. I would have done that. <gasps>
2: oh i'm living i'm living i will never forget i wasn't even there and i will never
0: forget this like also the audience like really from me standing in that throng of people the audience like really dressed up they were like Mm -hmm. going to the opera and i Mm love that
2: i feel like audiences coming back have been doing that, which is so fantastic. Like, I know for Six, I saw so many people dressed up in cosplay. Oh, uh, Moulin Rouge, for sure. A lot of people came dressed up. I love that. Like, you're going to the theater. Let's bring bring that back. Getting all fancy. Yeah, I'm all about,
0: like, wear whatever you want, but I also Mm -hmm. love looking fancy. And so, like, (laughs) I love looking fancy vaguely in theme for a show. Put on some gold for Six. Put on some like tuxedo blazer for phantom do it up have fun we love that wear what you want if that's fancy go for it
2: and other breaking news (laughs) which is so very different from phantom winnie the pooh the new musical off broadway has been breaking the internet
0: i uh, i'm like tearing up even just like remembering what the pictures look like winnie the pooh holds such a special place in my heart and this production looks like perfect i don't know if i've ever been this excited about a theater for young audiences production before or for puppets before but like i cannot wait to see this also i think it's only 55 minutes so we're like in and out we're just gonna cry it's gonna be perfect (laughs) we're just gonna cry no no it's perfect piece of one hour theater (laughs) that's puppets and for children that i'm going to love
2: I also stumbled on a video of the show. Well, not the show, but like advertisements for the show. Um, I think they were at New York Comic Con and I stumbled on the video and the actors sound just like the characters like we have in our head. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I am going to be like emotionally unstable at this show. Um, And first, literally Piglet's
0: first line. I'm going to cry. I'm going to (laughs) cry. Piglet means so much to me, Ayana.
2: Well, we Winnie the Pooh is all about mental health. Yeah. And so like this is such beyond like it being like a classic tale, um, a classic story. It's it's promoting mental health and wellness. And I'm just here for it. Like any story that can promote that. So here for it. So I can't wait
0: to talk to you. I didn't realize growing up that like Winnie the Pooh was like teaching me about like empathy and self-care. And like, it's so so amazing. It's such a great, it's such a touching show, but also a really meaningful show to like spread awareness about mental health.
2: Yeah, they're going to be like five and six year olds and I'm going to be there and a full grown adult fangirling Winnie the Pooh and have no shame at all.
0: Same. (laughs) This soundtrack to that Winnie the Pooh movie that came out. When Mm -hmm. we were kids. Oh my God. That was like my going to school anthem for like all of elementary school was like blaring that album.
2: (laughs) Blairing Winnie the Pooh. We love that. Oh my gosh. This conversation is just making me smile. So I know that this is gonna be a fantastic, fantastic show. I'm so ready. On that note, let's get into some fan QA many of us who love live theater love it for the community we have yearned for that community during the shutdown and now the theater is back we need to remind everyone of that community what has been your most memorable seat neighbor experience christian
0: i've had a lot of like seat near me celebrity sightings like hillary clinton uh and neil patrick harris uh Ben Stiller, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Billy Eichner, like a lot of people, but I like don't talk to them because I'm like trying to be considerate. Mm-hmm. I generally don't talk to my seat neighbors enough and I definitely should more. Honestly, some of the really best conversations I've had with seat neighbors are with other theater critics because they often like sit us together or back to back. Like Ayana, even when you and I see shows that we didn't play on, we're often next to each other or right behind each other mm-hmm. on aisles. So I think one of the best conversations I had was at Unthinkable, Molly Brown like every single theater critic I knew was there and it was like really special and Helen Shaw was next to me and we talked for a really long time and it was a really great experience so yeah but I definitely want to try to talk to more people in the theater like you said it's it's about experiencing art live communally with other people right around you so talk to people more
2: at the top of this show I I Talked about how I met the vice president of the Emmys. Um, He was such a great person, but also like, you know, um, the woman that he was with and, you know, he and the woman he was with were started the conversation about like just returning to theater, what we're most excited about, the shows that are coming back, um, what we've seen already. And it was just like a great conversation. And I happened to get to American Utopia like a half an hour early. And so he was already seated and it was like literally a half an hour conversation and i got his card want to continue the conversation he was fantastic during this episode we've been talking a lot about the theater community and you know just engaging with your neighbor that are that's at the theater and really how you know All of us who love this art form, for the most part, love it because of the community. In sad news, Is This A Room and Dana H. running in rep at the Lyceum Theater on Broadway have announced that their closing date has been pushed up. Is This A Room will close now on November 13th and Dana H. will close on November 14th. This is very sad because this is like, these are two fantastic shows that ran at the Vineyard downtown, came to Broadway with, you know, off-Broadway, they had amazing reviews. On Broadway, even better reviews. Like, I know Adam from Time Out gave it four stars and said, I'm correcting myself. Dana H is now five stars on Broadway. And it's just... It's really sad that these shows are closing. they're so important um, I really hope that people can see them before they close um Christian, I know that you saw both of them. How are you feeling
0: i'm I'm really upset by this news Ion I think this is just really tragic. I think both plays are amazing they they together and separately are the best reviewed shows of on Broadway this season so of everything mm-hmm. to have its to close early and close prematurely this is shocking and so so upsetting i i really love downtown experimental theater and i really love broadway and this felt like such a rare moment where they got to be together and mm-hmm. a broadway stage got to feature more experimental downtowny art that i love and i'm so i'm so sad that these are closing they're such great shows i gave is this a room an amazing review? And if I reviewed Dana H like Adam, I, I looked at my off Broadway review and I was like, okay, I 90% loved this, but now on Broadway, I 100% love this. They're really, really powerful pieces of art. They speak to each other in really great ways. It's, it's just awful that they're closing early. I really, this is a hard, hard, hard time to put a show on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Dana H and is this room are not the only shows that are struggling. Ayana and I see shows constantly and, We sit in our little press seats and we see rows behind us empty, seats next to us empty. A lot of shows are really struggling right now just to meet what they need to do. We don't really get to see grosses right now, so we're not really able to predict it. It's just kind of word of mouth and looking around and see how full theaters are. And it's hard. Theaters are not super full right now and people are definitely scared because of COVID. But Mm -hmm. I feel safer in a theater than I feel in a restaurant or than I feel in a bar but I know that's not the case for everyone. And I know that theaters and producers are struggling to fill those seats and get people to see theater right now. But of all the shows, Is This a Room in jane h are the one that I'm really, really crushed that are closing.
2: Christian, you and I have seen so many shows. We also attend a lot of events that ask us to be tested. We're already both vaccinated, but we are constantly tested and literally... The theater is so safe. We've seen so many shows and everyone is masked. Everyone is doing their due diligence to remain masked. And the ushers at these Broadway houses are so, they don't get enough credit for what they're doing. Um, They're on it. If people even
0: have a mask, like not over your nose, they will make people fix it. People get like kicked out if they're not doing masks, like they're on it. It's, It's like actually remarkably safe place i went to a theater and a plus one of mine had excelsior but he like hadn't renewed it they they saw it they didn't let him in he had to renew it right away and then they let him in like they're on it like they are making theaters mm-hmm. are much more on covid safety than most other places mm-hmm.
2: they literally have every theater has a covid safety manager now every they single theater and it's like the safest place. I remember uh, just last week I saw a Lehman trilogy and uh, the ushers came to every row and talked about mask etiquette. And if you're going to take your M&Ms, you're pulling up your mask really quickly, stuff your mouth with M&Ms and pull your mask right back down. It was literally that. And they're making sure that everyone is safe, um, not just for the cast, but for your neighbors. And I hope people can really come back to the theater because if any example, Dana H and Is This Room 2 phenomenal plays on Broadway, if they can be used as an example to come back to the theater, be safe, let's use them. Um, but also like, see them before November 13th and 14th. They are brilliant shows. And if you haven't seen them, you will, you will be mad at yourself that if yeah. they close <laughs> and you have not seen
0: them. Tell your friends, tell your family, go see these shows. They are so good. And also, like we all had to not have in-person theater for a year and a half because of COVID, and we had a real celebratory vibe uh, when mm-hmm. in-person theater started again. But like, we need to keep that energy going. We need to keep as a community. We need to support in-person theater or it's not going to be able to happen we need to Mm -hmm. spread the word about how safe this is we need to buy these tickets we need to buy concessions buy merch tell your friends to go see shows it's like on the community to make sure that these live in-person theater shows keep happening so we all Mm -hmm. have to rally and support and see shows especially really great works of art that are really trying to push the boundaries like is this a room in day and age so go see these tell all your friends go see these please do it
2: Before we wrap, make sure to check out broadwaypodcastnetwork.com for new episodes, including the Art of Kindness podcast chats with Kiernan Shipka of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina about her new podcast, Treat. The theater podcast with Alan Seals talks with Tony-nominated actress Megan Hilty about almost becoming an opera singer, starring in Wicked, and being inspired by Bernadette Peters. Break at Bat podcast chats with Ken Davidoff about his work as a national baseball columnist. Josh Swallow's Broadway talks with Rory O'Malley about his latest project, Chicago Party Aunt, on Netflix. Broadway's podcast celebrates their 300th episode with special guests Sarah Jenkins, Justin Robertson, a.k.a. Squigs, and more. And... Don't forget to check out BPN's latest true crime podcast series, This Is Reality, following the true story of Reality Winner. Make sure to download our iOS app at bpn.fm slash app for early access to all these episodes and more. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of What's Up Broadway. You can learn more about What's Up Broadway at bpn.fm slash wub and connect with us on Twitter at bwaypodnetwork. Send us a hot tip at bpn.fm slash hot tip. And please make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating and tune in next week for another episode of What's Up Broadway.